When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And? I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Come on, could you have the party start? Hear that music? From South Bend, Indiana. That's in America. It's sports yet. This is Jimmy Shorts. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann. An Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie. That's good. Now turn it off. And away we go. Episode 111. It's the Bill Hands episode. Bill Hands, the former Cubs pitcher, won 20 games with the Cubs in 1969. 111 career wins. Bill Hands. As an H-A-N-D-S? Yes. All right. Hands across America. Band of the hand. Bill Hands. Bill. <laughs> Speaking of the Cubs, my gosh. What in the name of all that's right in the world? Well, all that's right in the world is not the Cubs pitching. That's oh. all that's wrong in the world right now. Who was that guy on the mound last night? Well, Adbert Alzale is a rookie who had thrown pretty well in his first two appearances as a Cub. And then turns around and gets snot-lockered last night. Uh, Josh Bell of the Pirates hits three homers. Cubs looked awful in an 18-5 loss to Pittsburgh, and they are now out of first place in the National League Central. They have two starters injured, although Kyle Hendricks supposedly is coming back tonight. We'll see if that's the case. Cole Hamels, no telling how long he's going to be out. Hugh Darvish stinks. John Lester has been average at best this year Quintana you kind of almost feel like Theo got fleeced on that deal Mm. where they sent Eloy Jimenez over to the White Sox so it's it's not a good starting rotation right now I thought Jim Deshays made a good point last night in the broadcast where he said look you got five runs that's going to win you a lot of games if you get decent pitching but the pitching was not decent last night I glanced at the article you retweeted about uh, Theo needing to get rid of Schwarber and Russell. Yes, was that kind of the gist of the? Yeah, you know, working on the lineup and uh, can you can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, Addison Russell just he's not the same player since he came back from the sixty day domestic violence suspension. I I don't think that there's the same vibe with him around the ball club. I don't know how he fits in right now on the one hand you kind of have to have him because Daniel Descalso is clearly not the answer at second base 
Uh, so, and with Zobrist likely out for the season, maybe for his career, you know, you've got to have somebody that you can play at second base. Bodie has been poor at the plate lately. So you're going to play Addison Russell, but he doesn't really add anything to the ball club. And in fact, I think he's a distraction. And then Kyle Schwarber is a one-dimensional player. He hits home runs. That's what he does. He doesn't get you base hits. He's terrible outfielder. He'd be fine on an American League roster. I just don't know what you're going to get for either one of them. Hmm. I, I don't think either one of them has tremendous trade value. Last night, heard, last night I heard one of the announcers say that uh, the Pittsburgh field is a hard place to hit a home run. 18 of those. Not really. Were, uh, <laughs> are there places that it, it's hard to hit a home run in? Are there ballparks in America that are like, it is tough. San Diego is a tough one. Okay, because? Because of the dimensions of the ballpark and the way the ball carries or does not carry there. Okay. Used to be Dodger Stadium at night. Dodger Stadium, and I think it's still the case, for a day game, the ball carries much better than it does for a night game. But again, we go back to the fact that these baseballs are composed differently this year, and they're flying differently. What have you put together on Tyler Skaggs as you've heard and read these articles? Tyler Skaggs, 27-year-old pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels who died yesterday in his hotel room in Texas as the Angels were getting ready to play Texas. There's no sign that it was a suicide whatsoever. I think, unfortunately, it might be the same heart situation that uh, killed Zach Mago, the young man down at John Glenn last summer right around this time of year. And it's it's just very sad. Skaggs came up in the – he was drafted originally by the Angels, went over to the Diamondbacks in a trade, and when he went to the Diamondbacks in a trade, at that time the Diamondbacks Class A affiliate was here in South Bend. And so Skaggs came through here, pitched for the South Bend Silverhawks. Mark Haley was his manager, who now runs the First Source Performance Center down there. Said he was a great guy, a uh, wonderful kid to have around. He got to the big leagues by the time he was only 20 years old hmm. and spent seven years in the big leagues, seemed to be a very well-liked teammate. And it, it seemed to shake up not just the Angels, who postponed their game with the Rangers yesterday, and I'm not sure how they'll turn around and play today either, quite frankly, uh, but they might. And it, But it just seemed to shake up the baseball world because, let's face it, these are young, at least younger than us, people who are very athletic and I think to a certain extent, like young people do, see themselves as invincible. Mm-hmm. And these kinds of things don't happen in their world. Not to a 27-year-old. No. No. South Bend Cubs lose. Yes, they do. They fell to Dayton last night by the count of 6-2. to two. Buddy Bailey's team two games out of first place here in the second half. A couple of home games coming up the next two nights with the West Michigan Whitecaps. Uh, I imagine if you get tickets, it's going to be lawn seating at this point. I, I don't know that for certain, but these fireworks nights uh, on the second and the third tend to be very popular. They will not be at home on the 4th. They'll be up at West Michigan on the 4th, which you know, kind of leads to a side discussion here. 
why the city of South Bend doesn't have a 4th of July fireworks display is beyond me. Yeah, sounds like uh, not good planning, not good communication. The ballpark's not going to be here. All right, let's put on some fireworks. I could have sworn I've been downtown at the 4th of July where there are fireworks at the park and then some over by kind of where the river does the light up. Deal. Yes, yes. You know, on the had same them night, you know. But as far as I know, uh, at least it hasn't been publicized. Whereas Mishawaka and Elkhart have both been very forthcoming and saying, hey, we've got fireworks. This is when they'll be. Nothing from the city of South Bend. Did Buddy pass another record? Is he kind of the he, guy? He's he's not the guy yet. He's continues to move up on the charts. I believe he's eighth all time now okay. in career wins. Okay, got a shining star out of Elkhart Central here, Tanner Tully. Now, those of you who are ardent high school baseball fans, and I realize that's that's not many of you, uh, you'll remember him as a pitcher at Elkhart Central. When Elkhart Central won its state baseball title, I want to say in 2012, 2012 or 2013, uh, Tanner Tully was the star of that team along with Corey Malcolm. They were a very solid 1-2 pitching duo. And in the state championship game against Cathedral, Tully led off the game with a home run at the plate and then made that hold up, and the Blazers won it one nothing to clinch the IHSA state baseball title. Tanner then went on to have a fine career pitching at Ohio State, was drafted after his junior year, and has worked his way up, and he is now at the AAA level, pitching for the Columbus Clippers, made his AAA debut last night through six innings of two-run ball. Columbus won the game by a count of 12-2, to so he is you know, he's that one step away from making it up to the big leagues. NBA free agency continues. I heard Kevin Durant's name over the weekend. Wow. What a what a 48 hours it has been in the NBA free agency, Corey. Let's start with the big name that has gone so far, and that's Durant. He goes to Brooklyn along with Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. So three fairly big names. Is it because Brooklyn cleaned their bench and they've got room for these guys? Bro- Brooklyn had room for these guys, wow. number one. Uh, Number two, Kevin Durant's best friends, at least for now, are Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. Okay. So they all wanted to play together, and they're playing in Brooklyn. Of course, the Knicks fans all thought, oh, they'll come to New York. They'll play for the Knicks. Tell me who in the last 40 years has played for the Knicks and made a name for themselves. You know, who who became a bigger star because they played for the Knicks? Mm. Maybe John Starks. That's about it. You know, Patrick Ewing was a big star coming out of college, so he didn't need to go to New York to become a big star. Um, The Knicks are such a moribund franchise right now. They're just awful. Was there a Florida State quarterback that played for the Charlie Knicks? Charlie Ward. That's what I'm thinking Charlie of. Charlie Ward, Ward played yeah. for the Knicks for a while. Uh, but he didn't become anything special no. in the NBA. No. So Durant, Irving, DeAndre Jordan, they all go to Brooklyn. Well, Brooklyn had an all-star point guard in D'Angelo Russell. So basically Brooklyn does a sign and trade with Golden State, and Golden State now gets D'Angelo Russell to go with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. The question for Golden State is, 
where's your rebounding going to come from? You know, Draymond Green can only do so much. Do you bring back Andre Iguodala? So Golden State is a franchise that's up in the air a little bit. But remember, uh, they won titles before Kevin Durant got there. And here's the other thing about Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. He ruptured his Achilles tendon last year. So in this four-year deal that Brooklyn signed him to, he's really only going to maximum play for three because he's not playing next year. So it, it's a, uh, in my mind, it's a questionable move by the Brooklyn Nets to go out and get him. Jimmy Butler goes from Philadelphia to Miami. Now, Jimmy, you got to make up your mind a little bit. Because Jimmy Butler says he wants to win, and Jimmy Butler goes to Miami. Well, Jimmy, if you want to win, that ain't the place to go right now. Because Toronto, I understand, they're going to go down a little bit. They lost Kawhi. Milwaukee looks like a team on the rise, and they brought back Brooke Lopez. They brought back Chris Middleton. They also signed Wesley Matthews, who will help their bench extraordinarily well next year. So Milwaukee's a team on the rise. Jimmy Butler, what have you got in Miami that makes you think you're going to win? And the answer is nothing. Jimmy Butler's going to Miami to stay warm, to make money, and to get along with everybody he can, which apparently from stop to stop is nobody. So he goes there. The Bulls go out and get Tomas Sadoransky. He is a point guard from Washington. Now, the day before, the Bulls had signed Thaddeus Young, the former Pacer. And Thaddeus Young and Sadoransky are are both NBA starters. They'll make an impact on the Bulls. If nothing else, it frees the Bulls to try to pursue trade talks for Chris Dunn, who is a terrible point guard, and they need to get rid of him. Uh, but my man Brett yesterday on the Book of Faces asked me after I posted about the Bulls signing Sadoransky, he goes, is this good? He goes, you know, it seems like kind of a lame free agency so far. Right. And my response to Brett, and I'll be happy to share it with all of you now, Tomas Sadoransky gives them insurance at the point guard position. Remember, the Bulls drafted Kobe White, but he's not ready to just walk into the NBA and start. Kobe White makes a lot of bad decisions. So you need somebody like Sadoransky to help groom him a little bit. And I said, to put it into perspective, Tomas Sadoransky is the equivalent of buying cookware for your wife. Okay, It may be something that she needs. She's not going to brag to her friends about it. <laughs> and it's the same thing for the Bulls. Tomas Sadoransky is something that they need. He's nothing that you're going to go out and say, oh, my gosh, we got Tomas Sadoransky. We're ready to go. Uh, the Pacers have made some moves. They bring in Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, and they also bring in Jeremy Lamb. Uh, people in Indiana seem really high. Remember, if Indiana gets Oladipo back healthy this year, I think that's a that's a playoff contender team. Are they the best team in the East? No, I don't think so. But there's certainly a team that could maybe go into the second round of the playoffs or something like that. The Bulls in the playoffs, I, I, I still have problems seeing it. Maybe it could happen. Uh, but there's definitely a shift in power in this league. And, of course, the big question is, where is Kawhi Leonard going to wind up in this free agent derby? 
Because remember, the Lakers are sitting there. They've got LeBron. They've got Anthony Davis. They've cleared out some room, cap space. They could go out and they could get Kawhi. And then all of a sudden, the Lakers become a team that really you got to pay attention to out in the West. Before we jump into Blackhawks news, I want to show a picture to Chuck and see if I can make him laugh. Well, this would be we're halfway Flair with Bon Jovi and Ric Flair kind of sharing the same face. He looks, it almost looks like Bon Jovi got caught halfway through going to uh, Mel Gibson and Braveheart look. <laughs> like a bad spray tan. Yeah. Woo, we're halfway Flair. You like that? It's all right. All right. Uh, Blackhawks. The Blackhawks have been very active in the offseason here on Sunday, they went out and they traded to Montreal to return Andrew Shaw to Chicago. Now, Shaw had his best year as a forward last year, most productive in terms of scoring goals and assists. And he was part of two Stanley Cups in Chicago, 2013-2015. So the Hawks, who are known to do this from time to time, to go out and bring back a former player, bring back Shaw, I think he can still help them up front. And then... They go and they get a backup goalie, Robin Lehner, who played pretty well. I think he won 25 games for the Islanders last year. And so that's going to give them some quality depth behind Corey Crawford because Corey Crawford gets injured a lot and misses a lot of games. And And if you're Chicago, I think, I think any NHL team, you have to look at the goalie position much like you look at the quarterback position in football. You better have a quality backup because there's no guarantee your starter is going to go the distance. You want to talk about Anders Lee? Anders Lee, the former Notre Dame player, pretty nice deal he's got now with the Islanders. He had a great year with the Isles last year, scored 103 points. He is their captain. He is the face of the franchise. He... Uh, seemed to be the number one free agent out on the market. And he entertained offers from Montreal and Colorado. But I think all along his plan was he wanted to stay in New York if he could come to terms with Lou Lamorello, the general manager over there, in terms of length of contract. And Anders Lee gets a seven-year, which is pretty nice for a 29-year-old kid, seven-year, $49 million deal. Now, when we hear numbers bounced around in baseball and basketball, you might think, oh, they got Anders Lee for cheap. Remember, hockey players don't make baseball or basketball type of money. I think he'll still be able to get by on seven years, $49 million. Even in New York, ladies and gentlemen, you can etch this in stone. We don't have to do a telethon for him. <laughs> There's a young lady at Wimbledon who is three years older than my son. Mm-hmm. Who beat a Williams sister? She's younger than some of the ball boys that were there yesterday. Was she really? Yeah. <laughs> Coco Goff is her name. Coco! 15 year old American phenom. So in the first round, Wimbledon says, hey, let's take this 15 year old American playing her first match at Wimbledon ever, and we'll put her up against the five time champion and the oldest woman in the field, 39 year old Venus Williams. It's, it's one of those things when they when they drop the pairings it's like oh this will this will generate some interest at least yes i have the 15 year old play the 39 year old uh and kudos to venus who was extremely gracious afterwards in taking the defeat she was 15 once too yes 
and uh, and let's face it, has been a generational player on the women's circuit. Yeah, uh, I think she's happy to. She's not happy about losing because she's a competitor, but she's happy to see the perhaps a new face in American tennis who can rise up. A new young African American female. Yes. So Coco Goff with the win yesterday, six four six four over Venus Williams as the fortnight of tennis known as Wimbledon, which is very exciting to Tim Michaels down the hallway, uh, gets underway over in London. Speaking of London, oh, the English are not happy with the Americans, and this has nothing to do with 1776. World Cup semifinal is this afternoon, U.S. versus England. Apparently, you... Um, you move around hotels when you're over there in Paris. You don't just headquarter in the same place okay. for a while. So the World Cup tries to uh, maybe upgrade the, the caliber of hotel that you're staying at. And the U.S. understands that if they win today, they're moving hotels, and they're moving into the hotel where the team England is staying right now. So... Two or three of the American party, behind-the-scenes people, not players, not coaches, but mm-hmm. two or three of the American party went over to scout out the Team England Hotel. Well, the English took offense to this because basically you're saying, oh, you're going to lose England, and we're coming over to scout out the place to where we're going to be and how we're going to set things up and things like that. And they did not take kindly to that so we'll see if that fuels the english today as i mentioned at 750 Corey. yes over the annals of history the u.s has fared very well against england in early july matchups 1776 1775 did quite well <laughs> shout out to chris guccione Major League umpire who invited yeah. a young Josh Cordova uh, to the Colorado Rockies game over the weekend. Josh is the young man who kept his cool during these jack wagon adults who lost it at a Little League game. You have to have probably seen the video in the last week, week and a half of just these parents going after each other. But my goodness. But this young, what is he, 14 years 13 old? 13 years old. 13 years old, umpiring a seven-year-old Little League game. And I've been there. I've done that yeah. when I was a kid. And it's not fun because you're right. Parents are jack wagons. Mm. And, but these got wet. I mean, it's one thing to yell something at the umpire or, come on, Blue, you know, or something like that. These parents just, it was a fracas on the field. About 20 of them involved. This poor kid was getting choked by some guy. Oh, my gosh. And so Chris Guccione, who hails from the Colorado area, um, as does this young man that got injured in the fracas, invited him to a Rockies game that Guccione was umpiring and I think brought him out on the field with the umpires before the game to meet the coaches and everything, and everybody knew the story. Good for him. Good yeah. for Chris Guccione. Uh, with the uh, golf open in your rearview mirror, yeah. your overall thoughts. We have not talked about this at all since that wrapped up over the weekend. The The tournament itself obviously was less than exciting because Steve Stricker just 
ran away with the darn thing. Uh, Stricker is fairly new to the senior PGA Tour. He just turned 50. And he had felt like he should have won the tournament the week before up in Wisconsin, his home stomping ground. That kind of put a chip on his shoulder. And he came out, played very well, torched the Warren golf course. Remember, the the scores at the Warren, we got a big storm overnight, Wednesday night into Thursday. Mm -hmm. A lot of rain. And that really softened the course. And despite the best efforts of the grounds crew and the USGA, when the course is that soft, these professionals can put the ball exactly where they want to put it. And they did. And the scores reflected that. Toms and Stricker shot a 62 on opening day. Stricker shot another 64 on Friday. You'll notice as the course dried out and as the heat picked up a little bit, those scores came down. Stricker, who was 14 under par after the first two days, went minus five the last two days Mm. in order to win the tournament. But he was able to win the tournament because nobody could put together a charge. The Warren played as they expected it to play in the last two days of the tournament. So uh, kudos to Stricker. Kudos to John Foster and the crew over at the Warren Golf Course. They did a magnificent job putting together that tournament. From a player's standpoint, I didn't hear one single complaint about the course. In fact, the only person that I I heard that two people complained among the players, uh, Colin Montgomery, who is basically Mrs. Doubtfire and is universally known as somebody who does nothing but gripe. Okay. Okay. So his complaints don't mean anything because he's a jack wagon. And then Vijay Singh, universally known as somebody who gripes, his complaints mean nothing because he, too, is a jack wagon. So among the reputable players, uh, no complaints. Now, I did put out on my 46 Sports page for those who attended the tournament uh, because, I'll be honest, I only went one day. Uh, But for those who attended the tournament, what were their thoughts? Uh, and these are typically golf fans, so maybe they've been to other tournaments too. Okay. So uh, my friend Vince says the USGA and Warren staff did an exceptional job. It was a fan-friendly venue. Several areas where you could position yourself to see several tees and greens with very little walking. Great sight lines, plenty of hospitality. Thought that was a valid... Um, My friend Bob says, one big thing to fix, when playing practice rounds, they need to carry the signs with the names of the players so people can know who they're watching. I thought that was a valid... Makes complete sense. Uh, Steve says, uh, it was great. I've played there quite a few times, so seeing the pros play it was neat. Course was in great shape. My only dislike, no places to sit down by concession stands, and $9 a little steep for a cheeseburger. Oh, boy. Okay. I... Can't argue with that. Uh, And then somebody else said, I went Friday. Very cool to watch. Fun to see the names I grew up watching, which is the allure of the senior tour. That's basically who you're seeing. So uh, the the only gripe I heard from local golfers who went was when they they changed the layout of the course. So what was the 12th hole 
for the tour players is typically the 18th. For, oh, I did hear about so this. So, okay. People who are used to playing the course had to kind of think, okay, well, this isn't the way I play it, and this is why, things like that. But I, I thought it was a very well-run event. And the, the other thing that I found interesting about that is uh, the absence of some of the the power players who you would expect to see from Notre Dame out there. Now, I did see John Affleck Graves, the retiring provost. I think Father Jenkins was out there. Never saw Jack Swarbrick. I don't think he made one appearance there. Hmm. So, Who is the athletic director? Who is the athletic director. Okay. So that was interesting. Uh, even Muffin McGraw, huge golf fan. Did you, did you hear anything about her being out there? Or? I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure if she was there or not. I would have thought that if she were, she might have gotten her picture taken with Jack Nicholas. It was it was cool that Jack Nicholas was there. Oh wow! Uh, it was his only his second time ever to South Bend and his first to Notre Dame. He played in a uh, charity outing for with Era Parsegan over at Morris Park. Okay, one time, uh, but. So he was there, and and he thought highly of the course as well. And as somebody who has designed a few golf courses in his time, uh, that carries a lot of weight. Is he the Golden Bear? Yes, he is. That's him? Okay. Uh, Tell me about Saturday morning. Well, Saturday morning I had the chance to emcee Garrick Dieter's football camp, and we'll hear from Garrick on tomorrow's podcast. You want to do that tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. We'll throw that sound in tomorrow. Uh, but I thought this was a great event. Garrick plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. He has worked hard to move himself up from the practice squad to the actual team, got in a couple of games at the end of the year, caught a couple of passes, including one in the postseason game against the Colts. Important passes. It, right? Well, they weren't important passes. Oh, they weren't? And, but he still caught them. Okay. He, he still played in an NFL postseason game he still did what we have yet to do exactly and the other thing about Garrick is he remembers his roots he remembers where he's from and wants to come back and give to the community so he and his family organized this free clinic for kids to come out to school field and they had eight different stations set up and kids would move from station to station at one of those stations garrick was working with kids who on here's how you run routes here's how you catch the football and then having the kids do it okay and uh shack van from eastern michigan university former adams player who's going to be a captain of eastern michigan's team was out there shakir Carr, who played at clay and is trying to get into the nfl he was out there number of the coaches from uh, various teams were out there as well. It was a really well-run event, and it was free. It free. was free. They they brought in 400 kids from the community who had a chance to spend a morning or an afternoon. The, the smaller kids were there in the morning when I was, and then the bigger kids came in in the afternoon. And they had a chance to spend some time and get to meet an NFL player. And I was so impressed with Garrick as he was running drills. Every kid that came up in line to run the drills, he'd say, okay, what's your name? All right. You know, Tommy, this is what I want you to do. Okay. Hey, good job. You know, try this, try that. 
He really spent the time to make a personal connection with them. Just didn't attach his name to an event and, you know, shows up for the ribbon cutting and then he disappears. Right. He was he was in it. He was in it to win it. That's yes. great, man. You know, you turn local kids into uh, Chiefs fans by doing stuff like that. Well, absolutely. And there were a lot of number 12 jerseys out there yeah. uh, on Saturday. But we'll get to hear from Garrick and maybe even uh, get to hear a little bit from Shaq Van on tomorrow's podcast. That's all I got, unless you want to do some uh, personal news. Well, I mean, we did talk quite a bit pregame about this wedding yes. on the last yak, so let's postgame it a little bit. I uh, I cannot tell you enough how much I loved having you and your wife there. Oh, we loved being uh, there. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't a lousy wedding, so I wasn't embarrassed that you were there. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a freaking blast and our our goal going into that wedding was it is our daughter's day so we will bend backwards to make it her day. You know, the invite list, you and uh, our other partner Melanie and another group uh, two other friends were my hey could you do this for me. Sure. Everybody else was people that are in her life and you guys are you are you are but that have intertwined with her life. That's who was on the guest list. Now, did Debbie have any special special uh, guest people that she wanted there? Maybe three couples. Okay. Literally, I had I had three, three or four, and she had three. Kind, you know, kind of her girlfriends, right? And, yeah. and their spouses, absolutely. And then you know, not really extended family on our side. The ones who are we've got family, but they're kind of spread all over the place. And it's like, hey, man, when you're paying for this bad boy. Well, you know, that's the thing. You're paying for it, so you yeah. you should get to have a little bit of sweat. If you know her middle name, you're invited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the password in. But it was fun. I thought uh, I, I thought it was a you know it was a, a classic small town Indiana wedding. We're at the Round Barn and Napanee. We're eating uh, family style food, passing it around. I'm sorry it wasn't part of your. Kimono I, diet I, I or whatever know, it's called. I know. That's that's on me. That's not your problem. Yeah. Thought the reception was a blast. Yeah. Now let's let's back up a little bit because I'm standing out in the lobby. Uh the the ceremony was held in the Round Barn Theater yes. at Amish Shakers. And uh, I'm standing out in the lobby about five o'clock, five oh five, waiting for the seating to open up. Yes. Waiting for somebody to say, hey, you can come on in, sit down. And I figured that'd probably be 5.15, and it was. So I wasn't out of sorts. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy, dressed very nicely, clearly one of the wedding party, and he's walking like Long John Silver as he comes past me. Uh, I thought, oh, is, uh, did I show up for the tribute to Bill Veck? The peg leg is out. What's going on here? And I thought, well, I, and I, I had never met any of the groom side of the wedding party, so I didn't know if this guy was an usher mm -hmm. or, as it turned out, the groom. Mm -hmm. What the heck happened? So a culmination of things leading up to this wedding. My father-in-law was in the hospital. My uncle fell off a ladder and broke his leg in two spots in his wrist. My nephew freaked out and didn't want to come for multiple reasons. We got him on an airplane. He showed up. <laughs> uh, oh, Kyler. 
Um, Who, by Luke, the way, is a big yakophile. He's a big yakophile. And Luke and Chloe are very connected to their church. They do, do, do greetings on Sunday morning, but they're also involved with the youth group, which I, I love them for that. Luke was playing Ultimate Frisbee Golf Wednesday night before the wedding, biffed it by some punk 10-year-old and landed on the curb in the parking lot and cut his knee open to the bone. <sighs> they, they saw the bone when they <clears throat> went to the uh, medical facility. So stitches, painkillers, and a very upset bride because, quote, I want to dance the night away, and that's our thing, and now we can't. And there was some hiking involved on the honeymoon. He can't get in the water, you know, so there's no swimming. But I tell you what, that trooper went through six rehearsals up those stairs. Yeah. And uh, danced the night away pretty much on one leg. He did. I mean, he, he did. That was impressive. I did not see him take a break and ice it down. He he was all in, which is what you do on wedding day. Yeah. You know? Well, the adrenaline carries you somewhat. And as I mentioned to him, the champagne as well. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. I'll put myself on the spot. Grade my toast. Oh, wow. I was afraid you were going to burn it. Uh, burn the toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but luckily, I had the timer set. Because you went prop comic. You, you I went, did. You went Gallagher there. Although, I thought the point you made with the props was appropriate. Okay. You you pulled out your Muhammad Ali boxing glove, your autographed baseball, your autographed records from Kiss and Rick Astley. Uh, <laughs> but your point was these are all prized possessions. But I'm giving Luke. I'm giving you my most prized possession. Yeah. The thing that clearly saved it, and you built up to this crescendo at the end, mm-hmm. where you close. And, and credits to DJ Dan or whatever his name was uh, for hitting the music at the right time where you say Luke and then the Star Wars music starts playing. I am your father-in-law. <laughs> Beautifully done. Thank you. Beautifully done. I was kind of hoping you of all people would like that. Yes. Yeah. And I did appreciate the real talk shout out to Chuck Freeman. There was a real talk shout during, out during the toast. There were two very important real talk lines. The one was, I wanted a girl, and I kind of let that hang. And then I said, I did not want to like him. Yeah. I didn't want to like him. And, and both got yucks. Yeah, both got the yucks. That was fun. That was fun. And let me tell you what, I don't know the gal's name. I still had wedding cake last night, and it was great. Oh. I'm sure. First of all, I mean, Amish Acres. Uh, well, I don't know if Amish Acres it was, made the no, cake. No, it's a lady. Da- it was a oh, lady okay. down the street on right. Main Street that we right. found, and uh, they had a little cake for photos. That's all they wanted, you know. And the rest was pie, right? Right. Pie assortments, but we brought home leftover cake. Chuck, the top part was lemon, and the bottom part was something else. Lemon's gone. Buttercream frosting or no? Yes. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. Body by Napanee Cake this morning. Well, that'll happen. Yeah. Good times. Uh, Evaluate the DJ. I thought of the... I I talked about this at the pool yesterday during recuperating. There's 20 songs 
if you play these 20 songs at the wedding, everything is fine. Yeah. And it'll be either be a full dance floor or a half full, which is fine. you got to give people a break to breathe and eat and socialize. Well, and I thought you threw the slow song in. Threw you know, the slow song you know. in. When you clear the floor... You got you got to be careful. You got you got to come back strong. Yeah. And uh there's nothing that will clear the floor faster than either a 12-year-old fart <laughs> or smash mouth. <laughs> smash mouth. Man, what a horrible. And that was like song number 2. Yeah, he he uh, he biffed it on that one. Nice guy. Song number 2, he's playing stuff from Shrek. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Chloe uh, went with Brown Eyed Girl with our dance, which was, I knew nothing. Yeah. I didn't know that was coming. Uh, he was DJ Ricky Dick. I like to call him Ricky Dick. <laughs> he was he was very interested in my Kiss story from my Kiss autograph record. Yes. Very interested in that. And I was like, now's not the time. But he pulled out a Kiss song at the end for us that I thought went over well with the, uh, it, it's, the well, older kids. Uh, it seemed to. I mean, they were still, the older kids were still into the pit bull, yes. et cetera, um, which I don't know why he doesn't show up, <laughs> uh, but that's another story for another time. I heard that pit bull song, and I, was, I think I was standing next to you, and I was like, oh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> this is, no. Oh. But as you and I have discussed privately before, and, and maybe the maniacs would like to weigh in on this. What is the song that will get you on the dance floor? Yes. I'd like to hear that from the Maniacs, because many of you are either right in our wheelhouse or just a tad younger. What is the song that's going to get you on the dance floor at a wedding? You, of course, knew it. You had put the request into the DJ. And ladies and gentlemen, earth, wind, (laughs) and fire made an appearance, and that was wonderful. You stayed out there for something though. You were uh, maybe, was it the Bon Jovi song? I thought you were. Oh, I, you were in. I loosened up. Yeah, I lo- which was surprising because of this diet. I didn't loosen up because of the normal reasons you would expect one to loosen up. My nephew was very upset at the end of the night. He wi- he loosened up two songs left, and he wishes he would have gotten more yeah, into it. He's like, hey, it dances into you my. You can't thing. wait. And I tell you what, when it it got. It got hostile there at the end, and it's like, man, you got to. When you see a chance, take it, Steve Winwood. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, Steve. All right, so I feel pretty good about all that. There you have it. A special Tuesday edition of the Yak. Don't get used to it, people. <laughs> so, uh, what is your go-to wedding song that will get you on the dance floor at Sports Yak with two Ks? The Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. We're on the Instagram machine. Chuck over there. He's a Twitter madman at 46 Sports. Everything good? I think so. Hashtag until next time. Ooga looga, Heine Manoush. This is the Sports Yak Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.